0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And conspicuous by his absence yet again. He's in mourning. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy, who is still trying to get over Trey Young dismantling the Knicks and going on in the playoffs, and now we're stuck watching Brooklyn buzz right through Milwaukee. I'm not
1: going to lie. I didn't watch most of that game. I caught the highlights. That looked like a video game set on easy.
0: I don't even want to talk about it, not because of my dislike for Brooklyn. That was seriously a video game. Uh Uh-huh. That was not even fun to watch. The fact that Milwaukee got blown out by 40, damn. Yeah. Yeah. I, what else can you say? Brooklyn is looking amazing, and I'm just hoping whoever comes out of the West is going to run right through them because it's still New York forever, all day, every day.
1: Just annex Brooklyn out of that statement.
0: Yeah, just Brooklyn's anybody but Brooklyn. Anybody but Brooklyn. But, folks, we have more to talk about in the land of sports. But we definitely want to interact with you, so join in the conversation on our social media accounts. You can find all of that and so much more at odphpodcast.com. Join in on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Drop a five-star review on Podchaser while you're there. And always remember to use hashtag odphpod kicking off this edition of the podcast though some breaking news that sent some ripples all through the National Football League
1: yeah so uh, we found out uh, where Julio Jones is going to be lending his services uh, this year upcoming year and it is with the Tennessee Titans so uh, in exchange for Julio Jones the Tennessee Titans will send a 2022 second round draft pick and a 2023 fourth round draft pick to the Falcons Uh, along with Julio Jones the Falcons will send a 2023 sixth round pick to the Tennessee Titans of of course the deal is pending a physical.
0: Pad, we did hint that this was a possibility that was going to happen. Yeah. I think Tennessee came out of this winning Atlanta I they're in rebuilding mode. They just haven't admitted it yet. They haven't admitted it yet, but they're putting the pieces together. So it's like it's like you're in a relationship with
1: with a, a significant other, uh, and and you're not really as good as you once were. You know, right when you first started dating, you're, you're kind of unofficially broken up. Just nobody wants to say it yet. You know, that's kind of where the Falcons are. They're they're broken up with their team. They just don't want to say it yet.
0: Well, we've been saying it for years here now on the show that that Super Bowl hangover is still haunting them. You're welcome. Yeah, I know, Pat, Pat is relishing in that because obviously being the, ever. the Patriots guy in the room. But this is just something that we have seen this team struggle to overcome for yeah. whatever
1: reason. With a phenomenal team on the field, mind
0: you. Yeah, it's not like Atlanta fell off on
1: talent. No, it it, it ain't like they had a phenomenal year and then half the team jumped
0: ship to go get paid. Yeah. Like you've seen in some instances. No, like the team mostly stayed intact. The team stayed intact for the most part. Well, you've seen Matt Ryan and company just not put it together on games, yeah. and they have just really fallen off the elite list of teams in the NFL. And it's a weird thing to sit back and watch because when you look at this team on paper with Matt Ryan leading the helm and Julio Jones as the number one receiver on the squad, they should be competing in way more games than they have been. And for some reason, they just have never gotten over that mental stigma from the Super Bowl loss to New England. I'm sorry. We always say, who is Atlanta? What is Atlanta? But this is another scenario where they finally decided, okay, we have to shift everything now. We have to go into rebuild mode. Yeah. Which I'm sorry to say to Atlanta fans, but this is something that has been long overdue.
1: It's just the wildest thing to see because even if you go back before they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots, you know, they lost in the NFC Championship game back in 2012 where they had a 13-3 record first place in the NFC South. 2013, they finished third place, record of four and twelve, so worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then 2014, they finished third place again, record of six and ten, so eh, getting a little bit better. Uh, 2015, they finished second place with a record of eight and eight, again improving. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2016 uh, was, of course, the year they lost the Super Bowl, but they were eleven and five, so hey, real good improvement. Oh, I'd say. Uh, but then you, lo- then they kind of regressed back the other way. 2017 finished in third place with a record of ten and six. 2018, uh, finished in second place with a record of 7-9, and nine, uh, repeated the same record in 2019, and then this past year in 2020, finished with a record of 4-12. and 12.
0: Yeah, so to have that big of a drop-off, they needed to switch up something. And obviously, they're a little bit of a change in the guard in their position players. Yeah. Mike Davis has emerged as their number one running back. Calvin Ridley, who was the number two, yeah. is now getting thrust into the number one role. Yep. Obviously, Julio Jones not being there. Russell Gage is the number two now. Yep. Kyle Pitts, who they just drafted out of Florida, yeah, is their tight end. So they do have the pieces in place to contend. But it's just a matter of can they put it together mentally on the field? And they have to be consistent about it. So obviously making this move, they're sending the waves that they are rebuilding. Yeah. And this is a smart thing for them to do. Obviously, you're saying, well, losing Julio Jones is not smart.
1: No. But they don't have a choice in this instance. They really don't. You know, when you when your player, your star receiver wants out, you, you got to do it. You know, as much as it pains you and as much as it kills you to do it,
0: you have to. Oh, they do. And this was in a situation where he was being extremely vocal about leaving. No. But he made it very well known, if we're not going to contend, I want to go somewhere else. Yeah, because if you don't do it,
1: then you've run into a situation possibly, you know, if if, if minds think alike,
0: uh, like with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's facts. Because for him, he knows his value as an elite wide receiver. The window is coming close. I'm saying, is it going to slam shut tomorrow? No, absolutely no, not. No, But he knows, as well as the team knows, that there is a chance to win. You have a window of opportunity with any team, and you have to win now or otherwise it's rebuilt. For Atlanta, he knows that window is closed as of right now, so why not go to a winning team that has a chance to really make some noise? Oh yeah, and especially for Tennessee, you got to give them
1: kudos because he's got he's uh, on a uh, three-year deal. He's still got one. He's got a potential out uh, after this upcoming uh, season in 2022. Uh, but then, if he doesn't opt out, they've got him for 2022 into 2023, and then he becomes an rest- unrestricted free agent in 2024. So they've got him locked down, assuming he, doesn't op- assuming he doesn't opt out, which I can't imagine he will. You know, they've got him locked down for another three
0: seasons. I can't imagine he would opt out because this is arguably the perfect place for him to land.
1: Un- unless it doesn't work out, and it just is like you know, changing the, changing the paint, but it's still the same crap car. You know, unless he's really, for some reason, not happy, and I don't foresee that happening, you know, he won't opt out.
0: For what they have built in Tennessee, he is a perfect fit. Oh, God, yeah. is just the only piece of that puzzle that was missing. Ryan Tannehill has had a career resurgence going there. And the big X factor is he finally has a line to protect him and keep him upright. And some halfway decent receivers to throw to. Oh, yeah. A.J. Brown is no slouch. And he is definitely going to be the one that's benefiting most from this deal. Oh, Christ, yeah. Because now he can definitely learn from Julio Jones and elevate his game to a level that he has not hit yet. And then you flip to Derrick Henry, who has also got to be the happiest guy in the room. Oh, God, yeah. Because for however many defenders' defenses were loading in the box to stop him on the run. They now got to worry about Julio. You now got to worry about an all-pro wide receiver. Mm -hmm. This is going to be giving defenses fits in that AFC South. And this is a winnable division completely. Well, so Houston, yeah, Houston ain't got nothing going for him. Houston is just a mess in its own right. Yeah, Indy,
1: yeah, probably not. You Indy will else? scrap. See, yeah. the
0: one thing about Indianapolis is they will scrap. They're not going to win a lot of games pretty. They're not going to put up a ton of stats, but they will give Tennessee the biggest challenge in that division bar none. That they are going to definitely be in that contention talk for a playoff spot. If not outright, the division. But this is why the move with Tennessee is such a game changer. Yeah. Because Tennessee is the clear-cut favorite for this division oh, right yeah.
1: now. And it's going to be real interesting to see because they don't have the easiest schedule in the world. Uh, week one, they open up against uh, Arizona at home. Uh, week two, they travel up to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Week three, they're at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Week four, they're uh, traveling up to New York to, sorry, New Jersey to play the Jets. Yes. Uh, And then week five, they are traveling down to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Uh, Week six, they're at home on Monday Night Football to play your Buffalo Bills. Week seven, they are staying at home to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Week eight, they're traveling up to Indianapolis again. Uh, And then week they're playing the Rams. Uh, Where is it? Saints, Texans, Patriots. They've got a bye week in Week 13, and then they close out this season playing the Jaguars, Steelers, Niners, Dolphins, and then Texans to close out the year.
0: Making the early prediction, way, way too early. I could see them going 10 and 6. Yeah, and that, I that's think, fair. I think they can win that division outright right now. Not saying that something could change down the road. Seeing how everybody's gelling together, but right now, I fully see them winning this outright 10 and 6. I could see Indianapolis hanging around in an eight and eight spot right now. Yeah. The other two teams, like we said, Houston, they don't scare me right now. They just have their own issues to deal with. And then Jacksonville, jury's out. I mean, we don't know what the Urban Maya era is going to be in the pros. No, I know what he's going to bring for being a Florida fan, but I also know Does that it translate is it going to translate And the NFL is a whole different ball game. Well, you-
1: and that's true for that's true for Lawrence too. He's a great quarterback. Yes, he's potentially once in a generation type player. Yes, but. There's always the learning curve yeah. when you when you make the jump from college to pros. And, yeah. and how quickly is he going to adapt to that change and, and gelling it? You know, it's like getting on a highway. you got that acceleration period where you got to match the speed with the traffic coming on to you. How fast is it going to take Lawrence to match that speed?
0: Well, that's the whole thing about it. I mean, they're not going to make this any easy for him to do this. And for Tennessee, they've always been known to have that hard-nosed defense. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing Vrabel is instilled in that squad. So the only thing they needed to do was put up some points. And I think that's what they saw in the playoffs. And obviously, you have to benchmark it against who is the AFC champion. Right. Kansas City. Yep. You need to start putting points up against the best of the best. Can they do this now? Oh, with Julio Jones, that will definitely help. They got the pieces there, but let's face it, Ryan Tannehill ain't no Mahomes. No, he's definitely not Mahomes, but can he be serviceable enough to get him the ball? Maybe. And he's smart enough if he can keep him upright. I mean, the only issue he's ever had is with his knees because he's... Obviously, taking the hits in Miami when he was drafted. Yeah. So now he's in a position that he should be excelling and this team should be clicking on all cylinders. This is just the perfect landing spot for him. And now you have to say they are definitely in that AFC championship talk easy. Uh, like, yeah. This is even like a no brainer right now between them, Kansas City, mm-hmm. Buffalo. Yeah. There are teams in there that are just really making their stock rise, and they've had a great offseason. But Tennessee has been making those quiet moves. They've been definitely building this monster up, and now you have the perfect piece to add to the puzzle. This should be a a win-win situation, barring any injuries. Anything freaky, yeah. Yeah, this should be a no-brainer, and I think Derrick Henry is going to have an MVP season. Oh, God, yeah. I think that that's the scariest thing because all the pressure is taken off him, and Julio Jones will have a resurgence in there. Am I saying he's going to be putting up all the touchdowns and yards in the league. right? No, but he'll be in that top three. I'll mark that right now. That Tannehill will make a point to get him the ball. And now he has a sure number one that can definitely make some catches and make some plays and draw that defense off. So and, we, and
1: a consistent team that like shows up for both halves of football, and like the, the his former employer.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, he's going to come out there and just really want to make the statement that, okay, you got rid of me, I'm going to show I still got it. I
1: guarantee you first play of the game for uh, you know or first series of the game week one, it's going to be a deep route. Oh, it should be. Well, I w- I so. wouldn't be surprised if that happens because let's face it, fans are going to be back in the stands this year. Fans are going to be real amped up and real excited, uh, just to see that team on the field. Show them off something.
0: Is there anything like our good friend JT from the East Coast Avengers podcast? You know they're going to be fired up and ready to rock and roll. Well,
1: say if if Vrabel's got an offensive coordinator that's anything like McDaniel's, they'll have a trick play in there in their
0: playbook. Oh, I think they definitely need to get that tempo set early. They're going to be wanting to make a lot of headlines fast. And they need to. For yeah. Tennessee, Yeah, we've gotten to the stage with them that they're not flying under anybody's radar. We just know that they have one of the most elite running games going right now with Derrick Henry. But that's a lot of tread on the tires, though, with him. So oh, yeah. now this will be something to take the pressure off him. This is a win-win for both teams, in my opinion. For Atlanta, you relieve a lot of cap space. You're in the rebuilding phase. I don't know how much you're going to get out of Matt Ryan, but he does have a lot more weapons to use than people are forgetting about. Oh,
1: God, yeah, because right now they are currently, and you mentioned the cap space, they are currently sitting at number 12, uh, and this is from highest cap space at number one to lowest cap space, uh, according to spotrack.com. Uh, they currently have $16.1 million in cap space, but why don't I do just do this, and I'll switch it to 2022. Let's see how that works. Uh, where are they? Here, they were 12th that year. Do do do. They jump. Oh, they drop. They jumped Drop down a little bit. Uh, they're 21st with 15.6 million dollars in cap space. So they still they still got room for a player.
0: They got room to make some moves if they really want to. I mean, obviously, if you got a GM that's crafty enough, you can pull some moves off. Yeah. And for Atlanta, like we say, they're in the rebuilding phase. Obviously, with Tampa Bay being the kings of the. NFL world in their division that's going to be a tough Hill to overcome, but they'll at least contend, yeah. but it all goes back down to okay, now you've lost Julio Jones, how are you going to mentally recover? Right. This is a situation that is going to be tested upon Atlanta. Are they ready to make that next step, or are we going to be talking about getting rid of Matt Ryan next season? I think it's going to be that one. It's going to be an interesting story to play out. Like To see this all unfold is going to be must-watch TV.
1: Oh yeah, I, I, think, I really do. I think it's going to be they're going to be looking at getting rid of Matt Ryan, because let's face it, you had all of those pieces on the table after you lost the Super Bowl and you still couldn't make
0: it work. Exactly. What
1: the heck has changed other than a head coach, maybe some coordinators, you know, maybe a custodial staff, I don't know, uh, where, all right, now you got rid of a player. Like To me, it's, it's changing one of your four tires on your car.
0: Yeah, they're going to absolutely need to do something because they can't keep doing this vicious cycle to themselves and their fan base. They're going to drive themselves absolutely crazy. So now is the time to make some noise and really put – Put up or shut up for him. And for Tennessee, it's such a win-win situation. Excuse me, my chair is squeaking today, folks. So don't mind that. It's coming through the microphone. But speaking of making some noise that is squeaking, the situation in Green Bay. Yikes. Yeah, so uh, everyone was kind of wondering, will the, he, won't
1: he? Is Aaron Rodgers really going to follow through on this? Or is he just, you know, grandstanding? Uh, no, he's a man of his word. Uh, with mandatory Packers minicamp starting today as we record, uh, Aaron Rodgers is, of course, uh, a no-show.
0: Yes, so the saga continues in Green Bay, and I feel so bad for our Green Bay listeners out there. JVD from from Crossover Collision. Like, I don't know what to say here other than I am just fearing this is going to get worse as the weeks are progressing. Obviously, Roger's missing some time. This is not the complete end of the world, but this is definitely a statement move.
1: Yeah, because like I said everyone kind of wondered will he won't he you know players have done this in the past where it's oh i'm not going to show up I'm not going to show up and then they show up well he's a man of his word and this to me is like the slowest game of chess ever
0: well he's obviously made his noise heard that yeah this is coming down to him against the GM and he's saying i'm not blinking your move now right and this is a situation that as time is going on and the more he is not on the field this is where Green Bay is going to have to make a decision. Yeah. And this is not going to be one that I don't think anybody's going to be very happy with, no matter what side of the fence you're
1: on. No, and the person getting least hurt by this, I would say, is Rodgers, just because... He's been there a while. They're not making, you know, huge, massive changes to the playbook. So he can show up at any point and be ready to go. Mm. You know, it's not like the head coach LaFleur is coming in there and going, all right, guys, 2020 playbook, throw it out. I got 150 new plays in the playbook or whatever the number is for an average playbook. You know, I got 150, 200 new plays for your playbook. I got a brand new playbook. So he knows the offense. He knows the system. He knows the routes and the uh, assignments and this and that. You know, he ain't getting hurt by not being there. You know, I think the only people getting hurt by this is the front office by just this whole saga getting dragged on.
0: Well, obviously, their GM Brian there is just not winning anybody over with his actions. No. And the fact that I understand his point that he wants to say the organization is bigger than the player. Right. But in this circumstance, you can't say that. No, and I think he's got to
1: look at the larger picture with – Obviously, Rogers is the most vocal. But what does this do for the mindset of a player? You know, even a starter. You know, lineman, defensive guy, receiver, running back, whatever that is on a contract year that is looking at getting paid or you know getting a bit of a bump in in pay. Something like this might seriously make him consider going elsewhere. Because why would I stick around for a GM who doesn't want a player? you know, even a higher than my caliber, but like a, who doesn't want a star player, a franchise player doesn't want anything to do with them is, is not work, willing to work with them. Why would I stick around for this?
0: It's a very, very good question. And Rogers is definitely making his side of the story very public and very well-known.
1: And on the, and on the flip side, it hurts him from the aspect of let's just say they need a real good, they, they need an inside linebacker guy, guy retires. Mm-hmm. If you got a guy on the free agent, who's pro bowl, first-team All-Pro, you know, a Chandler Jones type of of linebacker.
0: You think they're going to want to go there and deal with that crap? No, absolutely not. It is mind-blowing to see how Green Bay has just became so toxic. And I hate saying that. Their fan base is very, very good. Oh,
1: and they're they're always considered the standard of the league, you know, one of the best.
0: Yeah, so to have their front office just dissolve like this and over a very foolish power play. Like, that's how it's coming across to me. So I'll throw the allegedly's out. But this is how I am seeing this, because my opinion about this is their GM, Brian G, is not handling the situation very well. That obviously Aaron Rodgers has been screaming, get me help, get me help, get me help. It has not happened.
1: They got a a top whatever draft pick it was a couple years ago, not this past draft, but the one prior. Oh my God, we can get a great position player. Why don't we draft a quarterback?
0: Yeah, you're already saying the writing's on the wall against Aaron Rodgers, who's still putting up MVP-type numbers. Let's
1: not forget, he's got a long memory. He's got a great memory. Obviously, he's an NFL player. He's been in the opposite position in this.
0: Yeah, he knows exactly what's happening. And I understand that it's a business, but it's not to say that there were signs of Rodgers just falling off. No, God, no. And especially, he's been able to do this with a less talented roster compared to other teams in the league. Facts. And just saying, this is not a shot against Green Bay, but let's put stats to stats. I exactly
1: dropped drafting Robert Tonyan. They're starting tight end in fantasy.
0: Yeah, this is a situation that they have made the best of the bad situation. Rodgers has done all he can. He makes good receivers great. Mm-hmm. That goes to show how he is. So the front office should be accommodating those requests. And it's not like he had been sitting saying, "I'm going to hold out if you don't." But it's gotten to the point where it's so toxic between him and the GM. Yeah, that. Perception is reality, one still has to go. Rodgers just said, "I'm going all in, push the chips right to the center of the table," and said, yeah, "Your yeah. move."
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you want to look at an example of how just how much a bad front office or a toxic front office can affect your team, no disrespect. Look at the Knicks for a good portion, oh, absolutely. Good por- good portion of those years.
0: I I hey, any Knicks fan will tell you that it lives and goes by Dolan and how bad the years have been. Has been there's one person at the top that makes the moves. Yep. That is, so when you've got a bad front office and an inept front office, Yeah. ain't nobody going to want to go there. Exactly. And players are seeing this and seeing how you're treating a star player, a Hall of Famer, and this is, why would I go there? That's the question that everybody's asking. Yeah. So how is he supposed to get some help now? This is not going to end well. So Green Bay has got to make the decision. Pull the Band-Aid off already. Are you going to go all in with Rodgers, or are you going all in with your GM? And I'm not saying somebody should get fired, but there has to be some resolution to this. And, unfortunately, the only resolution is one's going. Either you move the GM into another position in the organization or you move Rodgers. I don't think they can say, Jordan Love, go right in there and you're good to go. The kid is not ready.
1: Nah, it's going to be Blake Bortles.
0: Yeah, it's going to be Bortles Stark. Can you imagine that? Hey. And Lambeau Field, the reaction. Blake Bortles is going to be your starting quarterback coming out the gate.
1: Yeah, well, mercifully, they don't open the season at home. They open it uh, down in New Orleans.
0: Oh, jeez. But,
1: Christ Almighty, oh, I just looked at their schedule. This could get real interesting. First home game, week two, against Detroit, Monday Night Football.
0: Oh, that would be bad. Oh, Laura.
1: Boy, Prime I, time I, game. Boy, I wonder if uh, the Monday Night Football crew is going to have anything to talk about.
0: Oh, well, they will just be watching Rodgers and what his reaction is.
1: And it don't get any better. Week three, at San Francisco, Sunday night football.
0: You, Well, because they can't flex out that early.
1: Week four, uh... 425 on CBS against Pittsburgh.
0: You don't think half the country is going to see that game? Oh, they'll be all over it. But just to see how Green Bay needs to resolve this quickly, and they're not doing this, and Rodgers making the – he's making a statement without making a word. And,
1: and because of the way the schedule works, this ain't a situation where you you can hear the chatter and the talk on the, on the broadcast the first couple of weeks, but it's only broadcasted in, let's face it, Wisconsin and the greater Wisconsin area and then wherever the other team is from this is going to be nationally televised games. You okay. ain't, you wait. So this ain't a case of, Oh, we don't have a nationally televised game for a couple of weeks. We can just let this play out and let whoever ends up being the starting quarterback play out. And if he plays well, nobody will be talking about it. They'll be talking about how great they are. No, <laughs> you ain't got that luxury.
0: No, if they wind up moving Rogers or sitting him, cause I fear the GM is going to do that. Oh yeah. I fear that that's going to happen. Cause I, this is all a sense of ego right now. In my opinion to see Rogers sitting would be absolutely asinine.
1: Oh, it's that's one of the worst moves that they would have ever made.
0: Yeah, so you either have to accommodate him, and that's what they should be doing. Okay, if the problem is the GM, you have to just move him in. Move just him slide into, him yeah, into a different position yeah, move until Rodgers is gone. Yeah, move him into a different spot that is workable for him, special consultant or something. You can come up with something to keep him there. Yeah. And still make it happen.
1: Christ the Yankees made a special position for, I believe it was CeCe Sabathia, to help, yeah. out, to help out Brian
0: Cashman. You can make stuff happen if you so choose. And that's what they need to do for this. There, your problem is solved. You need to move your GM out of the GM position. Have somebody come in there that Rodgers is at least cool with and can work with. And then you yeah. go from there. Because you're not going to get anybody this season. You're stuck with the team you got. Sorry. Uh-huh. Just putting that out there. You're going to have to make it work if you're going to contend. And if you're going to waste a great year from Aaron Rodgers just to spite and prove your ego, that is the most asinine thing you can possibly do. Rodgers needs to get some help to him. You didn't give him enough in the drafts, so now you have to get somebody else that can do that for him. Otherwise, you got to move him. But I just can't see them doing this. The only way that this would actually, I don't want to say be acceptable, if Rodgers just says, you know what, I retire. And just goes Andrew Luck.
2: Yeah.
0: i mean, not saying it's a good move, but that saves face to your organization. If he's just like, listen, it's not working out, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. Yeah. It's foolish, it's dumb, but then again, this is where we are at this saga. And I didn't think we were going to be here talking about this in the beginning of June. This should have been wrapped up before the draft. But now... It's extending on. It's getting worse.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm just looking at a list of free agent quarterbacks. It's not a sexy list.
0: No, it's not. It's it.
1: really not. Like Alex Smith is on the list, but he's 37. He's you're not. You're not exactly going to. No, him. Alex Smith is retired. He's, 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 he's paid retired. His, Yep. Uh, Matt Barkley, RG3, Josh McCown. Like Josh McCown's 42.
0: Yeah, I mean Josh McCown would Dave probably would get. Like I say, Alex Smith would probably be the best one on there, but obviously i think he's ready to retire and obviously he has definitely earned earned that right
1: and there's more names but let's face it i haven't heard of half of these guys so it's not you're stuck with who you got
0: yeah it is so that being said rogers is going to have to make a decision or the organization is somebody's got to blink now rogers said i drew first your hand now green bay yeah make something happen yeah Absolutely wild situations going on in the NFL, but we want to hear from you. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What are your thoughts about Julio Jones going to Tennessee? Is it a game changer? Are they Super Bowl bound? And Aaron Rodgers, the soccer continues. Where do we go from here, Packers fans? Let's talk, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This A Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at a theycalledthisamovie.podbean.com. They Called This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. and Time to talk a little UFC action yeah. going down this Saturday night had UFC 263. Where uh, is it taking place?
1: Uh, from the Gila River Arena in uh, Glendale, Arizona. Uh, if that sounds familiar to some folks, that is the home of the uh, Arizona Coyotes. Uh, and then also the Arizona State men's hockey, uh, ice hockey team.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a fun, fun fight card. We are going to be doing live reactions on twitch.tv slash Seven podcast during the fight. So you definitely want to stop over, get our live reactions. Sorry, no footage. We pay for it, so you should pay for it yourself and go support your products. We are very big opponents of that. But we definitely like to interact with everybody and we are going to have a lot to talk about on this card. So let us kick off by breaking down the main card. So pat what we got?
1: Yeah, so we just got to mention quick uh Two fights on the first part of the first two fights of the main card featured uh, Paul Craig fighting uh, Jamal Hall Hill. Uh, and then you've also got Damian Maya taking place uh, fighting Bilal Muhammad. So good luck to all the uh, four of those fighters.
0: Yeah, in fact, I want to say that I think this might be Maya's last fight in the uh, UFC. okay. I think so. I'm not 100% sure, but obviously he is up on the other side of 40.
1: 43.
0: Yeah, so I think this might be the last one on his contract, if Turn, I'm not mistaken.
1: Turns 44 in November uh, and has fought. Thirty-eight professional uh, matches. So yeah, you would
0: think. I I want to at say least for f-
1: a couple years, and then it will show up in Bellator.
0: Yeah, that that could definitely happen. But him against Muhammad is going to be a, a, a solid fight, and that's a big fight for Muhammad too. Yeah, uh, but the
1: uh, three fights we want to talk about. Uh, first off, you have a you know, welterweight division matchup between Leon Edwards taking on never heard of this guy, it's some dude named Nate Diaz.
0: The legend returns to the cage. Go. We are in for a fun fun night here nate diaz is a superstar in this sport folks if you don't think so you have not been watching mma he is a guy that moves the needle like very few people do Uh uh-huh and to see him return to the cage is a good thing it's a great thing yeah it's a fun thing because now he has decided to step back in at the 170 weight Grace class us with his presence. And for this fight alone, this is a very very big one. Yeah. Because for Leon Edwards, who has been lost in the shuffle per se in the 170 division, this is a fight that he was is clamoring for. Mm-hmm. And he has been waiting to get this one for I don't know how long because yeah. the knock on him a little bit is he's very technically sound. Sure. He can definitely hang in there with the best of the best. But he doesn't move the needle enough to really draw some attention to him.
1: Yeah, because in the 22 professional matches, he has a record of 18-3 and uh, with six wins coming by knockout, three wins by submission, uh, nine by decision. So definitely can knock some guys out and submit some guys. But the bulk of those matches go the full length, and let's face it, those aren't always the most sexy or exciting fights.
0: Yeah, he's always had that knock about him because he's not somebody that really causes a lot of buzz. In fact, I think the only time we've really heard about him is when him and Jorge Masvidal... Got into it backstage. Oh yeah, at a card, and that was the infamous yeah. two piece and a biscuit. Yeah, yeah.
1: And if and if you're sitting there screaming at your speakers or phones going bad, that's only 19 wins. There's one no contest.
0: Yes, yeah, so I believe that was his last fight.
1: Yeah, that was uh, against Bilal Muhammad, who ironically is also on the card. Uh, it was an accidental eye poke that took place back in March.
0: It was a nasty eye poke too. Like there was no doubt. Oh, about Oh yeah, that fight. yeah. That was Yikes. the one. That was the one that was like a full finger right in the eye and looked absolutely horrific. Wish I
1: didn't see that photo. Uh
0: Uh-huh. But this is where Edward's... I mean, he was always clamoring. He wants a fight. He wants a fight. And he definitely deserves a fight at this level, too. Because like I say, for having 18 wins in the UFC you got to be in that kind of title, talk contention.
1: Oh, absolutely. And then, I mean, you just look at some of the names of some of the folks he's beaten. Uh, Vicente, Vicente Luke, who he won by unanimous decision. Uh, Donald Cerrone, he beat by unanimous decision. Gunnar Nelson, uh, split decision. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, unanimous decision. Like,
0: yo, those are some names. Yeah, he's fought some names, but he, to get in that upper five fighters in that division, you got to do something to stand out. And unfortunately, he doesn't. He fights technically sound. And that shouldn't be a knock against him, but let's face it. We here, as fans, always complain about the lay and pray style. Uh-huh. The boring fighters.
1: It wins you the fight, but it don't exactly make you memorable.
0: No, it doesn't. And especially when you're in a business to sell fights, yeah. you have to have a certain it factor to be at the top of the card and really draw. So you want to flip the coin to Nate Diaz. Oh, Lord. And this guy has been doing it ever since he's debuted on The Ultimate Fighter.
1: Yeah, I would say his... F- so Nate Diaz has a record of 32 professional matches with a record of 20 and 12. His very first fight uh, taking place in October 21st of 2004 uh, at WEC. Uh, and then in some of his more recent fights, he lost his last fight via doctor stoppage against uh, Jorge Masvidal. That was back in November of 2019 beat Anthony Showtime Pettis uh, by unanimous decision in August of 2019 lost to Conor McGregor by majority decision in August of 2016 but then beat Conor McGregor by submission in uh, March of 2016 so kind of a back and forth
0: It's back and forth but the one thing that you know when you see a Diaz signed to a contract whether it's him it's or gonna money. or Nick it's going to be money and you know they're going to like get thrown. The, yeah you know they're going to go in there and they're going to scrap that is the one thing that you could put money on there will not be a boring fight from one of those fighters, either so Nick or Nate.
1: Was it him or his brother that swore on a live Fox broadcast?
0: I can't uh, remember. No, it was Nate. What? That was Nate.
1: Oh yeah. So for those who don't remember, look up the video. You can find the video. But it was back when UFC was broadcasting on Fox. You know, Fuel, I think at that point. But it was Fox proper. You know, mm-hmm. not FX, not FXX, not FXM, Fox proper. So you know, right on the right on the you know standard three channels. Uh, and this was fairly early in the main card, so it was still kind of early, and he just dropped it up, but he just started dropping F-bombs and swear words, so they, they had to cut the audio. They came back, and Joe Rogan goes, you know we're on live TV, right? I don't give a fuck.
0: Yeah, Diaz's do not give a fuck. That is the one thing that you are endeared to them as fighters because they are as real as it gets. You understand that we talk about Fighters like Colby Covington Uh and how you see the act. Yeah. Sorry, in my opinion, it's an act. Uh You compare it to Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz. You know what you're getting with them. Nate
1: Nate and Nick will meet you for the first time and tell you exactly what they think about you.
0: Yeah. They won't sugarcoat it. They're not going to sugarcoat anything, and they don't care if they got cameras on or not. I mean, you got to remember, Nate's the same one that decided to light up right in the middle of an arena one night. Because he did not give a shit.
1: Yeah, no, I, I remember there was one press conference where I believe it was Nate was was getting ready for. Was that a press conference? I think it was like one of the big press conferences or something. And, and Connor tweeted something, mm-hmm. and and one of the presser, one of the pressers, one of the uh, journalists brought it up and said, Hey, Connor just tweeted something. And Nate goes, What he tweet? And and Connor had made a comment about, Oh, you know, none of those guys can hold a torch to all the money I made the UFC you know, last year. Oh, congratulations to them though. They, and they go,
0: Nate, what is your reaction? And Nate just goes, got his ass beat. Yeah. They're not gonna get phased by that. They're the, they're the Kings of mind games because you know what? You don't get in their heads. The only thing that you'll ever see those guys get really fired up about is if an opponent doesn't fight them back. Mm -hmm. You see, like when Nick fought GSP and was laying prey and and he was pissed as rightfully should have been because um, granted you're in the fight and wrestling is an aspect of MMA. We get that. So, When you're in there ready to scrap and ready to throw, and then you have to go into a grappling match instead, that's not exactly drawing headlines. No. So to see these guys in these fights, you know that they're going to scrap. They're going to come in there. And this is a great fight for Leon Edwards, too, because Nate hasn't fought since the BMF debacle. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's a debacle. It's supposed to be for the BMF title, and we're actually acknowledging this. And
1: then it was a doctor stoppage.
0: Yeah, you can't have that. I mean I'm sorry, if you're gonna really run with this whole BMF title, it should be like old UFC rules. Where there are no rules. Oh, yeah. It do it be. do it that way. Like if you're gonna if you're actually gonna acknowledge it, but the fact you had a stupid belt presentation You brought out the rock, you
1: had him yeah come out to his his WWE entrance music.
0: Yeah. It was dumb. I'm sorry, because that fight should never get stopped. That should be UFC like Old school rules, or you know,
1: barring some sort of like doctorly stoppage where they go, No, you have to stop the fight or he will die.
0: Yeah, you have to do something like that. So, the fact that that didn't happen, Nate got pissed. I don't blame him, he hasn't fought since. So, he is well rested, and now he is back in the cage and he's ready to go. Because for him, this is title implications, could be. And we always talk about, Well, he's not ranked in the top 10, he's not whatever. It doesn't matter because he moves the needle that much. And Plus, he's only 36 years
1: old. He turned 36 back in April, so he's still got some time.
0: Oh, he's got time left to make it into a headline bout. And we always have to look at, okay, who's in that division right now? We know that Usman is ready to fight Colby Covington. Gilbert Burns, who is number two in the rankings, is going to fight number four Steven Thompson. That's going to happen as well. Leon Edwards has been at number three for I don't know how long now. Luque, Chiesa, Masvidal, Magny, Maya, and Jeff Neal round out the top 10. So if Nate wins, he almost writes his own ticket. Oh, yeah. He, he, he wins. He's cracking top 10. Oh, it's not even a matter of cracking top 10. I'm saying he could get a number one title contendership if he really wants to. Yeah. Because he moves the needle that much. On the flip side, if Leon Edwards beats Nate Diaz. Holy shit. Feather in his cap. He is instant number one contender. That is how much this fight is important for this division, and you can say, "Well, he's leapfrogging over anybody." No, I'm sorry. If you beat Diaz, there's going to be a certain buzz about your name. You can take a look at a fighter like Dustin Poirier. For hardcore MMA fans, we know who Dustin is, but for mainstream fans, he's the guy that beat Conor right, McGregor.
1: Right, and you got to look at also too. Leon Edwards is currently on a one-two. Well, he was not counting the no contest. He was on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight eight-fight win streak, Yeah, dating all the way back to uh, May 8th of 2016.
0: But the sad thing is you're only remembered as for your last fight. True. So for Edwards, if he says, my last fight is I beat Nate Diaz, you have to think he is in that number one t- contendership, if not fighting for the number one contendership. It is a lock for him to be bumped up the card, and they, there's no denying him. This is like Aljamain Sterling. You can only deny somebody so long before they get enough wins that you have to give them a title shot. So, Pad, that being said, Diaz, Edwards, who you got? War Stockton all day, baby. Yeah,
1: this one. No no disrespect to Leon Edwards, but a well-rested Nate Diaz.
0: Yo. A motivated Nate Diaz is going to pressure him, and I think for somebody that is as technically sound as it is, This is going to be a great striking match. This is going to be a three-rounder. This is going to go to decision. Yeah. But this is not going to be a boring fight.
1: No, and let's face it, for as good as Leon Edwards is, and for some of the names I mentioned at the start of talking about the fight as he's beaten, he has never fought anyone like a Diaz. Because let's not forget when his brother Nick... Went up against the, one of the greatest of all time, Anderson Silva. He laid down in the octagon.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know they're going to pressure this one. The, the, he Leon has not fought anyone like a Diaz. Oh, I agree. And that's why I think he's going to struggle at this. I think he could earn a split out of this. I think if he's really lucky. But I do like Nate Diaz in this one. Oh, yeah, I do too. I like him by unanimous decision. But I think I wouldn't doubt it going a split either way. Edwards just needs to have the fight of his life for this one. Because if he does not bring it to the cage, and he just tries putting this on neutral where he's just doing enough to win and not enough to steal the fight, Diaz is going to pressure him so much he's not going to be able to handle it. And he's going to be in real trouble when gets to that third round. Trust me on that. So definitely taking Diaz for it by unanimous decision.
1: So I'm also looking up because I'm assuming they're able to have fans in attendance there, which I'm not sure, but if they are... Uh... Uh, Stockton, California, which is where Diaz is from, to Glendale, Arizona is a mere uh, 705 uh, depending on the route you take, 705 or 725 miles. So it's about a 10 and a half, 11 hour drive. That's the, I'll, Diaz will pack the building for that if, with uh, the Stockton, California people.
0: He's going to bring it just by his name value alone. Facts. Like, that's the thing. They draw that much headlines. Because he is a Very charismatic figure in the world of MMA. Love him or hate him, because some people really don't like the Diaz brothers. Sure. That's fine. That's your opinion. But they will draw your attention to the screen, and that's what you need to pay attention to. Because once they get in the cage, you know you're going to see a fight. Oh, yeah. You're not going to see any nonsense. You're going to see him go give it all for the entire duration of the fight. So that's why you pay to see it. Like It would be the main event, in my opinion, had it not be for our two title fights. True. True. So next up, we have the flyweight title.
1: Yeah, uh, between Brandon Moreno uh, taking on champ uh, Devson Figueredo.
0: Yes. So this is a rematch from a very, very good fight.
1: Yeah, uh, back in December of 2020, this was at UFC 256, where it was a majority draw.
0: Yeah, this was an absolute wild fight. Because Figueredo, since winning the belt, has been on an absolute just tear. He is a fighter that is putting on knockouts down in flyweight. Yeah. And he's really solidifying himself. Not to say that he would ever surpass Mighty Mouse, because in my opinion, Mighty Mouse is the untouchable king of the 125s. I don't care about Henry Cejudo. That's irrelevant in my argument here. This is something for Figueredo that he was really challenged because Moreno came out and surprised a lot of people.
1: Well, yeah, and, and Figueredo also had to prove some folks because he had the opportunity uh, to win the belt, the vacant flyweight championship belt, back in February of 2020. But Figueredo missed weight, mm-hmm. and he was ineligible to win the belt. So all of a sudden, it's like, all right, you can go, because he beat his opponent that night. Uh, he beat Benavides. He beat Benavides, but it's like, all right, hey, you can do it. You just got to make weight. And yeah. the very next fight,
0: he did that. Oh, yeah, because it was the rematch there, and he absolutely annihilated uh, Benavides. It
1: was a win in 4 minutes and 48 seconds of the first round with a rear naked choke.
0: Yeah, he absolutely ran through him like a buzzsaw. I felt bad for Benavidez. I really did because the one thing about him is he's always been the best fighter in the flyweight division that could never win the belt. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. And he got absolutely mauled by Figueroa. Yeah. Like it was not even close. So you see Moreno now giving that chance that we might have a new champ. Yeah. This is going to be a very sleeper fight on this card. So
1: both fighters very good. Uh, Moreno in twenty five professional matches has a record of eighteen wins, five losses, two draws. Uh, and then uh, Figueroa on the other hand has a record of twenty in twenty two matches, twenty wins, one loss, one
0: draw. That all being said, Pat, who you got?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Figueroa to retain. I, I just think I like the body work better. You know, I think he's motivated enough that he ain't going to lose.
0: It's a tough thing when you face an opponent back-to-back, and I think that you tend to pick up some tendencies since you've been in the cage with them that you really got to switch up your game. I think this helps Figueredo out more than it does Moreno, that I think that now he saw what this kid brought. Maybe he took him too lightly, you would say. Maybe there's that chance, but I think that we're going to see a different Figueredo come out. Yeah. I think he finishes him. I think this is a stoppage in the third round. Okay. I mean, unless Moreno does something drastically to mix it up, he's going to scrap with him. So, I mean, that's right. the one upside is you're going to see it go back and forth. But I just think Figueredo's got too much power in that division that I think when he gets in that cage, he's going to want to make quick work of this. And I'm not saying you're going to have a Benavidez part two mm. where he just absolutely mauls him. Yeah. But I think that he's going to impose his will so much on him by that third round, it's going to get dicey. Probably. That's why I think we're going to have, have and still by the third round. Now we get to the main event. Yeah, so this is for the
1: middleweight uh, championship where Israel Adesanya is defending his belt against uh, Marvin Vittori. Uh, Just some stats on the folks. Uh, in Marvin Vittori in 22 professional matches is a record of 17 wins, 4 losses, 1 draw. And then Israel Adesanya in a, in 21 professional matches has a record of 20 wins, one loss. And I should note that this is a rematch because the two did fight each other, uh, back on April 14th of 2018 on a UFC on Fox card, uh, where Israel Adesanya, uh, won by split decision.
0: So this fight is very, very intriguing. I think that Israel Adesanya is making his claim to be the next Anderson Silva, yeah. He is just running through everybody in that middleweight division. We should note his one loss is when he decided to try yeah. going up to light heavyweight and find Jan Blachowicz and decided not to put any weight for that fight, and it came back to haunt him. Just a bit. So now he is back to his proper weight class, and there is no shame in that. In fact, I give him credit for going up and trying to fight. Yeah. It's just you want to test your skills against everybody, and this is he's, he had that old-school mentality like weight doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, well, and, and better to have tried and know the result than to have not tried and gone, uh, you know, I wonder what could have been.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now looking at the, his division, the problem that he's having now is he's already fought most of the guys in the top five. <laughs> yeah. That he's going back and forth.
1: Yeah, so uh, your number one contender currently, and again, like AEW, rankings matter with the UFC. Yeah. Uh, number one contender is currently uh, Robert Whitaker. Number two, Paulo Costa. Number three is Marvin Vittori, who he's facing this weekend. Uh, number four is Jared uh, Kenyonye. Five is Derek Brunson. Six is Jack Hermanson. Seven is Darren Till. Eight is Uri Hall. Kelvin Gastelum at number nine. And rounding out the top ten is uh, Edmund Shabazian. Shabazian. So, yeah, he's fought most of those guys.
0: He's definitely fought a lot, and obviously there's some moving and shaking going on. I know Acosta had a out of his next fight, so stepping in is going to be Kelvin Gastelum to fight for him. Right. But this is where the division kind of gets a little... I don't want to say murky, but this is where we just don't see the direction it's going to go right. in. Right. Because here's the thing. with You have a champion that's so dominant as Adesanya. hmm And if he comes in there and is he's motivated for this fight too, if you've not been following the pre-fight talk between both fighters, there is a lot of bad blood. Oh, sure. That This is not going to be something that you're going to exactly say there'll be a lot of um, <laughs> pleasantries. let will, f- will say
1: they're not exactly going to tap gloves at the start of every round. No,
0: they're definitely not. Adesanya, I feel, is going to come out the same way he did against Paulo Costa, which I will admit I was wrong about that one because I thought uh, Costa would give him a better fight, and Costa got absolutely destroyed. Well, he got knocked out at
1: 3 minutes and 59 seconds of the second round.
0: Yes, and he exposed Costa. Yeah. This fight, Vittori's been working his way back up the ranks. He's going to be game for this. There's no question he's not going to be ready for this fight. He is.
1: Yeah, and he's currently on a five-fight win streak, defeating the likes of uh, Cesar Ferreira, Andrew Sanchez, Carl Roberson, Jack Hermanson, and Kevin Holland.
0: Yes. So he has definitely earned this fight, and there's no question about it to do the rematch either. But this is where I think Adesanya is going to step it up.
1: Yeah, especially with you look at his last fight, which shouldn't be a knock against him because he stepped up a weight. Yeah. Weight class, didn't really put on any weight. You know, shouldn't be a knock against him. But I think he's he's motivated by it to say, hey, listen, despite the loss, I'm still the baddest dude in this division, if not the entire UFC.
0: Facts. I fully agree with you on that stat. You can't hold that fight against moving up to 205 and trying to fight for that belt. Had he won? Whole different ball game. Yeah, but the fact that he took a very big risk, in my opinion, going up there and not putting any weight on against Jan Blahovitz, who cuts down to get the two hundred five. Yep, you're in trouble. And then he found out a very bad excuse. You know, a very bad night happened to him because uh-huh. of it. So I say there's no excuses about it. He understands that. So now he's back at his natural weight class and he's ready to be the most dominant champion there. This since we've seen Anderson Silva, the one eighty five is his division right now. I don't see Vittori taking this one. I no, really, I really don't. No, I think if anything, it'll, it'll be
1: a f- scrap and it'll be a fight. I don't think it'll be you know as one sided as it was against Costa, you know. But I think, like I said, I think uh, Adesanya is motivated as all hell to sh- to prove everybody wrong about that last loss.
0: Yeah. The only thing is, I think it is going to be one sided. It's nothing against Vittori, but I think that Adesanya is going to come in there so fired up and right, so motivated, right? I'm not doubting we see Acosta Part 2. I really am not. All right. I just think that he's going to have that much chip-on-his-shoulder anger that he's going to take it all out on Victoria and Vittoria is just getting fired up. Yeah. But that's how you sell this fight. See, they get it. They understand we're in the position that you, the consumer, the fan of the UFC, want to go check this fight out. And this is a great fight to have as the main event. Not only do you have two other co-main events, because I'm sorry, Diaz-Edwards is a co-main event. Yep. But now you have two title fights going down on this one. They're all going to be exciting fights. So like I say, for what you're going to get for going in on a pay-per-view about this, is definitely going to be worth the time. But we gave you our picks. We know we're going to be live reacting to them on twitch.tv slash podcast this weekend, starting, I believe, at 8 p.m. for the prelims. We're going to be going in about this card, but definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag odphpod. What is your picks? Are you going with us without Asanya? Are you going with us about Figueredo? Are you going with us about Diaz? Are you taking the underdogs? Let's have that discussion, Shelby. UFC 263, let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ah, yeah, Brian Wayne here, your host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, the podcast dedicated to delivering the most current content in the world of comic books. So whether you're looking for the most spectacular interviews of the creators that make the things that we love, or you're looking to maybe line your pockets with some speculation, this is the podcast for you. So tune in on Mondays and Fridays, and you are guaranteed to never miss a beat, the pulse of this amazing, amazing comic book industry. Cheers. Coming back for another segment of this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. Big weekend going down on the NXT brand of WWE this Sunday. Yeah. It is going to be NXT TakeOver in your house. hmm Love this pay-per-view. I hope it's a lot better than it was last year. But the set is always incredible. Throwing it back to the 90s yeah. pay-per-views of the WWE. So, they yeah, have a stack card going down this Sunday. 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Peacock Network or wherever you are watching your WWE pay-per-views from. So, Pad, let us break down the card and give our picks.
1: Yeah, so uh, these are the matches announced. uh, Card subject to change. Add some matches, maybe subtract some matches. Who knows? Uh, But first off, we have a matchup between Xia and Mercedes Martinez.
0: So this is kind of an interesting feud they've been doing. I know they've been doing this whole... Turning of Xylee's character. Darker post persona. Yeah, that I'm not exactly sure where they're going with it, but her against Mercedes, uh Mercedes Martinez is a fantastic match oh, to God, kick off yeah. the card
1: it, it's, a, it's a matchup and a and a feud that's kind of been flying under the radar with everything going on in XT, which isn't a bad thing, but I mean you look at between uh the other matches we're gonna mention on here, and then everything else is going on, it's been really flying under the
0: radar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So this one. Definitely excited to see. I'm taking Ziya Lee in this one. I am too. And then I'm just curious what happens with Martinez after this, but she is still in that upper echelon of the NXT women's division, so I don't think this is going to hurt her to take a loss on this one no, at all. Uh, No, absolutely not. All right, next up. Uh,
1: you have a matchup between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes, and one would presume, based on the last couple of weeks with NXT programming, that Ted
0: DiBiase is going to be there. Cameron Grimes, the best character on wwe programming right now bar none i
1: did not expect him to grow on me as much as he has
0: oh my god man he is so so good if you have not been following they changed his gimmick to where he won all his money on what GameStop and bitcoin he, and
1: yeah he, he kind of got into the whole cryptocurrency thing so first it was you know when the GameStops and amc stocks went through the mo- through the roof and to the moon you know he got in on that and he made a bunch of money off that and now it's bitcoin So he's all of a sudden got a lot of money, and there's another guy who used to have a lot of money and still has a lot of money that decided to go, not so fast, my friend.
0: Yeah, no, he has definitely elevated his game, and now he is a bona fide superstar in this roster. I'm sorry. Find somebody that's just as entertaining as him right now in WWE. It's hard to find. You can't. I'm sorry. He is absolutely must-watch programming. And then to see him up against L.A. Knight, who I'm sorry, he's still Eli Drake to me. Yeah. And it's great to see him finally start taking off. And if you're not familiar with him, get familiar so quick. He can do it all. He can talk. He can go in the ring. He is absolutely a a five-star athlete in his own right. To see these two having a feud together, sign me up. Uh Uh-huh. I'm here for it. And to see Ted DiBiase come back, obviously he's been doing the little vignettes. Give me the
1: laugh every day.
0: Yeah, that now there's going to be a big announcement going down, and obviously, Pad, you got a little speculation on that? Yeah, so I've I'm, I'm
1: been reading some rumors online, and they're just that rumor, so who's to say if they'll actually happen or not? But I've, I've been hearing some rumors that the WWE might bring back the Million Dollar Man belt.
0: That would be epic.
1: And, and I think just to kind of further the story and continue the feud between uh, LA Knight, Eli Drake, and Cameron Grimes, Plus with DiBiase there have have La Knight win and give him the million dollar man belt you know and kind of give him the million dollar man moniker.
0: It would be interesting to see what they do because I'm not a huge fan of the name La Knight, but I am. It, a, it I, is weird, yeah. But I'm a, I'm a huge fan of him. I like and I understand he wants to try doing like the Hollywood gimmick and that's yeah. yeah. And I think it fits him because he is somebody that can pull it off. That he just carries himself that way. That he obviously can cut amazing promos. Like he'll just go in on the mic and there's very few people that can come near him. And to see him now in this feud with Grimes, and I hope this continues. Like I oh, hope this yeah. is not one and done because this is just a perfect mid card feud for both these Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. And then whatever Ted DiBiase is going to do because they've been doing the most hysterical vignettes. Oh my God! Where Grimes is trying to buy something and DiBiase just keeps outbidding him, and he yeah. keeps, and now DiBiase, Ted DiBiase, that damn Ted DiBiase. It's so good. Yeah. So this one, honestly, I'm not sure which way they're going to go because if it is for the million dollar belt. I would love to see Cameron Grimes walk out with it because yeah. it would be hysterical. Like, I could only imagine the stuff they would do with it. Yeah. But I could also see it going to LA Knight because uh, since he's been there, he's really got to get thrust into something. So, this would be another way to really get his journey in NXT going. I think it's a perfect fit for him to start yeah. going. So, we'll have to wait and see about this. But if I got to make an official prediction, I got to go with Cameron Grimes.
1: Uh, I'm going to go with LA Knight. Okay. i will go with LA Knight uh, just to continue that feud and, and keep, have DiBiase around some more.
0: Yeah, this could be possibly matched match in the night, too. Just going to put that yeah. out there.
1: Uh, next up, you have the matchup for the NXT Women's Championship between Raquel Gonzalez defending her belt against Ember Moon.
0: So this one, a little bit interesting. Uh, I know they've been doing a little back and forth because Raquel, Raquel and Dakota Kai have been going after Shotzi, Blackheart, and yep. Ember Moon when they were attacking champions. Yep. And they really have built this feud up very nicely. Raquel Gonzalez is still growing in her role as champion. Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be a very solid match. Yeah. I think that this one is still going to be Gonzalez for the win. Yep that I think that Moon is going to put her over and make her look like a million bucks. Yeah. This will be a fun match. I'm excited about it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I still think we have and end still.
1: You know, Ember's been doing real good works ever since she returned to NXT. You know, I don't want to say she lost a step, but she definitely got lost in the shuffle on the main roster. And I really feel once she came back to NXT and, and did some reworking and some adjustments, she's definitely reinvented herself a little bit. Oh, yeah. And she's made herself a thousand times more impressive and, and must watch TV because I'll be honest, she impressed me when she made her main roster debut, and there's a there was a little bit of time where I was like, yeah, hey, i Moon, you know, I gotta watch that match, but then it kind of fizzled out and it faded. Out. I'm like, yeah, all right, I can you know hit the bathroom, I can go grab a grab something to drink, you know, when she's on there. But ever since she's come back and, and done the reinvention and teamed up with Shotzi, must see TV.
0: Yeah, it's just the one thing about NXT that when you see wrestlers get called up from the that roster and go to the main roster. Sometimes they just don't transition well over, for whatever reason. Yeah. And then when they come back to NXT, they have a chance to really reinvent themselves and really get that re-energizing that they need. Yeah. Ember Moon's been a perfect example of that, and I think she's looked absolutely awesome since coming back from that really bad injury. Oh, yeah. So now to see her back in a title match, I think it's great, and they can continue this feud if they want. A lot of different ways they can go with it. Sure. I'm excited about this one, though. Uh,
1: and then next up is your main event of the evening for the NXT Championship. You have uh, Karrion Cross taking on Adam Cole, Pete Dunn, Kyle O'Reilly, and Johnny Gargano in a fatal five-way match.
0: Okay. So, this is going to be match of the year, Candidate. First and foremost, Adam Cole's promo last Maybe. week against Karrion Kross. Uh Promo of the year, Candidate. My God. That was amazing. If you want to talk about somebody that can get himself over... And is the it factor in like two sentences? It's Adam Cole and and Bebe. That's it, that's all you need because he just put on a clinic within five minutes. Uh huh. And he hasn't been on TV for a while, but obviously taking time off to heal and recoup. Yeah, because he has been carrying that this company on his back, NXT. Oh, yeah. For the longest time. So he's got the longest
1: uh, reign for an NXT champion, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's done everything he can in this roster. And,
1: and, and you go back and look at some of those matches, Christ, oh, goddamn, mighty. Yeah,
0: Gargano, Ciampa, you name War it. More games. He's, yeah, he's done it all. So to see him come back and get put in this match, and I, I, I remember there was some online chirp about, like, well, why is he getting put in? He hasn't won a match this year. He's Adam freaking Cole. Baby. The pedigree speaks for himself. So, chirp all you want. He's more than worthy about it. And after hearing that promo, Uh made perfect damn sense about putting him in. I mean, listen, you didn't have to
1: sell me any more on Adam Cole. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. But that promo, you know, what's so special about you? You know, you get the entrance, the music, the lights, the girl. You know, what do I get? They ring the bell.
0: Yes. That line right there just needs to get on a t-shirt because that is just epic.
1: Just his name on the front, and then on the back, ring the bell.
0: Yep. That's all he needs. And then let alone you have Karrion Cross, who, let's face it, since winning the belt and coming back from injury has looked absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. He is a bona fide superstar. If anybody wasn't sold on him before, I don't know what you're watching because he is absolutely ready to go to the main roster. Mm-hmm. And then Gargano, you know that he is always solid whenever you put him in. Same thing with O'Reilly. Yeah, Pete Dunne is always doing epic work. This is going to be an absolute crazy match.
1: This, this, like I said, this is potential match of the year.
0: I'm kind of sad it's not involving a ladder, but it's okay.
1: Oh, we listen. We can only go so nuts.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say we can only do so much. But now the question I becomes: mean, if you Think
1: about it, though. It's a fatal five way. They could get away with
0: bringing out some ladders. I'm just saying, if they just put this on a ladder, I think it would just make it like nobody else would come near him. Nobody. But either way, it now boils down to the question: Cross is your champion. Mm-hmm. If he retains. He's now defeated your four top guys on your roster. Yep. And then a fifth is Finn Balor. Yep. Where does he go from here? Hey, I don't know. You have to bring in somebody else to challenge him.
1: There, and, there, and that's the thing is, as good as NXT is, I don't think there's anybody near enough yet to really face him, unless it's Walter or even uh, Bobby Fish.
0: Bobby Fish will be pushing it this soon. I, if he worked himself into that picture, I could see it happen. Yeah, but he's still coming back from that injury. I don't think it's him.
1: Like I, the only thing I can really see though is you know Cross wins, comes back out on NXT on on uh, Wednesday night or Tuesday night, whenever that it mm-hmm. it's on, and says I'm the most dominant champion WWE's ever seen. You know nobody's as dominant as I am. Nobody's as this, that, and the other as I am. And then you just hear Imperium's music hit. And yeah, then Walter comes out. That, Were it a
0: full house. The place would go fucking nuts that's the only thing you really can do unless and i do stress unless wwe sends somebody from one of the rosters down again yeah now you could put in a kevin owens yeah that would definitely be a worthy contender yeah you could put in and i don't know the status so i can't say with 100 percent conviction keith lee
1: yeah yeah
0: because I know that he is out for some reason, and we'll find out when it's due time. Yeah. So if it is a time where you can bring him back, that would make a lot of sense to do as well. Yeah. But this is where the situation becomes cross. Almost has to lose. I mean, they also got the and roster, but they're not sending him back anytime soon. Right. That I don't. I don't see him coming down right soon. I I'm not sure who you you plug in there. I don't know. Like that. That's a. It's a really good debate. I mean, you know, it would be absolutely wild.
1: Yeah.
0: Edge. Ooh, that'd be good. haven't it, seen him in a while. Or depending on what you want to say about Daniel Bryan. Yeah. I mean, there is a couple options you have out there pending. So, like I say, we can fantasy book all we want. Because the issue becomes if Cross wins, he's now defeated your top five guys. Uh-huh. Who's next? I mean, you, you could argue, and I would have no problem with a feud of him and Cole. I, yeah. I wouldn't argue that one yeah. bit. Yeah. But it also comes in a situation where... You have to kind of think, all right, what's next and who's next, and I, like I say, I just don't see it. It just, it's very, very murky. Yeah, it, it's it's, it's
1: hard to tell because usually with these kind of matches is, you know, you kind of have an idea who's going to win. It's just a question of how they're going to get there. This, it's.
0: Damn, you're impossible. Well, it's anybody's fair game. So, I mean, if they really want to pull a crazy upset, you can see Kyle O'Reilly walk I, out with a belt.
1: I was just thinking that.
0: Yeah, or if you want to give it back to Adam Cole, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No. And that would set up a hell of a few, too. No,
1: you can you can have uh, Cole and, and Cross go until your next pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, I mean, they do have a lot of options they can run with. So, Pad, that all being said, the presentation's right in front of you. Who you got? I'm going to go with
1: and new, and I'm going to say Adam Cole. Okay. Just because I think they might have had a plan, but I think with the way the promo went, they can. I think they might be thinking we can have some fun with this.
0: I think it's going to be in new as well. That I think Cross has done a lot on this roster, and he has definitely had a very very good run with the belt. He's beaten a lot of big names. Yeah. But the question becomes, where do you go from here?
1: Yeah, I can also see Cross losing and then getting called up just to kind of to fill a, a, a gap with. Uh, I don't think he's going SmackDown because I don't think they're putting him anywhere no. near Roman. Uh, I can
0: see him going Raw. He would be a better fit on Raw, and that's where yeah. I think he does go. Yeah, but the only question is, are they going to do this before the August thirtieth draft? As we know, that has been announced Ooh. that they're going to do the roster shakeup yet again. True for Raw, sorely needed for SmackDown. You're going to be taking away a lot of great talent. So oh, you see, so
1: you're just feeding Roman new meals.
0: Well, you have to do something with a dominant champion. I mean, that's the argument that you have. I mean, yeah. and that's the same problem they have with NXT because Cross is so dominant, and the way that he handled Finn Balor. Yeah, you have to bring him up, and you have to do something with him if you're going to do it on the main roster. And we know that Randy Orton's dying to work with him. Oh God, yeah. That would make a lot of sense. I'd almost say, depending on what you're doing with Bray Wyatt in that situation. True. That could be another thing, but. For Cross, I mean, it's limitless where he's going to wind up. Could he win this match? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's and got the then, pedigree. And then I think the only smart money you can do right now is unless you bring in a new face to face him, mm-hmm. it's Adam Cole and him. Yeah. And then everybody else kind of goes into a different direction. That's the situation with NXT that they're smart enough they'll figure something out. I don't have a doubt about this. This isn't like when we go to SmackDown or Raw and yeah. we come off looking absolutely
1: we're, horrible. Where the current running joke is Raw is being run by the WWE 2K20 uh, GM mode.
0: Oh, it is. I'm sorry. If you saw last night's Raw, the main event, quote-unquote, was Lily, yeah. Alexa Bliss's doll, uh, chasing after Shayna Baszler. Yeah. It was a horrible show. I'm i mean, sorry. I, I
1: give them kudos to opening up with a match because that kind of cuts out the crap. But, yeah, it still wasn't any
0: good. It wasn't good at all. It was, it was a horrible thing to watch. So... They could definitely use a shot in the arm, and I think that, you know, that adrenaline shot that they would be taking there, that could be a carrying cross. So we'll have to kind of see what they wind up doing. But if i got to make my prediction, I'm going to say cross retains. Okay. Just because I don't know if they would give Cole the belt back Mm -hmm. right away or they would go completely left field and give it to Kyle O'Reilly. That would be wild. I'm telling you, they got a lot of chances they can do this coming Sunday on the Peacock Network and definitely – Keep your eyes out. I'm not sure if we are live uh, reacting to this as well. I know there was some discussion, but we haven't put the pen to paper yet on twitch.tv607podcast. But that's why you need to follow. So when we go live, you're right there. But definitely let us know. Hit us up on that hashtag and give us your predictions. But we still have more wrestling to talk. Yeah. Had, take it away yeah
1: so i know you gave your reactions on the uh, 607 tws uh but i haven't and we haven't discussed it uh but last week uh, wwe announced the release of six wrestlers uh saying quote wwe has come to the terms on the releases of braun strowman alistair black lana buddy murphy ruby riot and santana garrett Uh, And then it went on to say WWE wishes them the best in all of their future endeavors, close quote. So shocking to say the least, uh, because I don't think anybody saw more cuts coming in, especially not to any of this degree and caliber. Uh, Lana, I think, you know, again, no disrespect to any of these folks. Lana, I think, was an inevitability, you know, at some point just with her husband's over in, in AEW. And just they really had never done anything with her once he left outside of the whole angle with Liv Morgan that lasted all of a night. Yeah. You know, Alistair Black was definitely shocking, especially since they just brought him back on television. Uh, you know, Murphy, not exactly surprising, you know, ever since the feud between Seth Rollins and the uh, Mysterios had ended, you really hadn't seen him all that much. Ruby was surprising because I know I've said on a previous episode, Riot Squad was like the only legitimate female tag team you had in that entire women's tag team division, uh, on main roster, when, uh, Raw or SmackDown, everybody else is thrown together. At least from what Mm -hmm. I remember off the top of my head, uh, Santana Garrett, a little surprising, although admittedly, I couldn't remember who she was. Uh, but then you get to the real big surprise in Braun Strowman. and
0: Yikes almighty. Well, I think that the more I'm sitting back watching this, WWE is just tightening up the roster before they go back out on the road. Uh-huh. And I think that now there's going to be a little change in the stat quo when they go back in front of live crowds. Yeah, And I think that what they're doing is they're looking at, okay, who we're taking out and are we really carrying a lot of people that we – don't necessarily use sure, or I don't want to say need because sure for them, they're looking at business and all right, are they really generating the buzz? Are they moving mm-hmm. the needles? And for this group, it was puzzling, I will say this, yeah, because Strowman had just come off a world title bout at the pay per view, it looked like he was still going, but then again, where does he go from there, right? That was also another question. So to see him, I know that was kind of one of the more surprising ones, but. I think that they maybe just ran out of the course of, like, what do we do with them, which yeah. that sounds crazy.
1: Yeah, and I know my girlfriend, Liz Bailey, was not happy about it, to say the least. I was dreading broaching the subject with her because Braun Strowman is her favorite wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like, she wasn't at all into wrestling, but she saw me watching a clip of him flipping the ambulance and went, oh, my God, who is that? Yeah. And that hooked her. So she was upset, to say the least, you know. But I, you know, and there's been some stuff floating around. I, I kind of like what Eric Bischoff said on his podcast that it's kind of like if you were running a company with 300 employees and, and he said, you know, if you're running a company of 300 employees, but you're only using 78 of them, why are you still paying the other yeah. do the math, which uh, he's not wrong. And then I, there's also been some, uh, I don't know if they're fact, but rumors and, and kind of stuff on the dirt sheets saying that Vince looked and saw, what was it? Almost um, the gentleman paired with uh, Apollo. I'm blanking on the name, but...
0: Oh, Commander, the Commander, the the gentleman. Yes, I know who that is.
1: Yeah, you've got him, and then there's there was a third one. I'm forgetting who it was, but you had three big men on the roster that could really, you know, fill his place, you know, plus Braun and and his pay was was a bit of an issue, especially when you're looking at bringing back a bunch of people for travel and drivers and equipment and everything else. You know, you you got to tighten the belt. So, I mean, it sucks, but... If, if if Braun goes somewhere else, you know, because who's to say, you know, he has certainly had the injury bug over the years. It could be a case of he just might not want to wrestle again, and he's maybe made enough money in his short time. You know, I, if he chooses to go someplace else, it, it won't be – he won't be av- available for very long.
0: Yeah, I think amongst this group, I mean, most puzzling was Ruby Ryan. That yes, one yes. that one hurt me because I'm, I'm a huge Ruby fan. Love Ruby to death. I think that WWE just never used her properly.
1: I just don't think they knew what to do.
0: Well, I think that before she got hurt, she was on a path to do something. Mm-hmm. But obviously injuries happen. But unfortunately, there's somebody else that has a similar look to her that's in NXT right now yeah. that they're very high on, and yeah. that's Shotzi Blackheart. Yeah. Now, is it to take anything away from Ruby? No, because I think both of them could have been fine on a main roster no matter where oh, you put God, them. Yeah. Yeah, so I think if anything... She is going to be the one to break out from this class. Yes. She just has to go to the proper organization to do it. Mm -hmm. And I know I put on the blog that we had the latest issue of Blogs Count Anywhere. I gave my predictions. Okay. I think that AEW would be absolutely idiots if they let her go, if they don't lock her into a deal. She would be a much-needed help in that women's division. Yeah. And I think that she could do wonders there. Yeah. The only other place I think that she could definitely go, and I think that phew, you want to talk about a stacked women's division, Impact's knockout division. I
1: was just thinking that, especially since Impact just lost Kylie Ray.
0: Yeah, I think that she could go in there, and her and Deanna Perazzo. Yeah. Oh, so sign so you, me up! Expe- take my ex- money.
1: Especially, like I said, Impact just lost Kylie Ray, who signed with NWA, and I was reading some stuff on the weekend just of, of how shocked uh, the folks in the Impact locker room were that she signed with NWA.
0: Yeah, that's that's a whole different situation too, that. They impact it just flies under the radar so oh, much yeah, yeah. that people don't think. But they have their women's division. Like you want to talk about a women's tag team division? They do the best yeah, one bar none. Yeah, I don't get. You can come at me about this. I think Impact does their women's division so well. WWE is has a, has a deeper roster. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, Impact is right in that conversation with. Oh them. yeah. AEW needs to sign Ruby Riot, and I will tell you this. If they are also smart, they sign the Iconics when they're freed up on July 19th. Okay. I think that that's when that group, the initial one, the Samoa yeah. Joe class, yeah. is able to sign. You sign both of them, and then you really bolster that women's division that needs it. Braun is kind of a tricky one because we, we know, know we know he gets into his social media a lot. I know that yeah. causes a little hot water. Yeah. Allegedly, so. With that being said, I think he also goes to AEW because, if I'm not mistaken, he is uh, very good friends with Mark Henry. Oh, okay. And Mark Henry is somebody that got him really going in, in wrestling, yeah. and I think that he could go down there and do some stuff. I personally would love to see him in New Japan. That'd be New Japan would be
1: great. New, mm-hmm. New Japan would be better than AEW just because, let's face it, we've had a bunch of folks go over to AEW that are like, oh, that should be a great fit, and then they just get lost in the shuffle.
0: Well, it's, it also goes back to the statement that I'll even stick to right now. AEW needs a figurehead that is overseeing everything. Uh-huh. They need a Vince McMahon like person and it's yeah. not Tony Khan. Yeah. They need somebody that will hear the ideas, lay out the storylines, get everything lined up so it's running fluidly. Yeah. They don't do this. They struggle with this. The in-ring stuff is great. Yeah. Do not get me wrong. Oh yeah. But my biggest argument is when we flip-flop storylines on a drop of a dime. And, you, and people get lost in the shuffle doing this. Sure. And the thing is, too, when all these WWE guys come to AEW, we've seen they get pushed right to a title belt, and then they fade away.
1: Well, let me throw you this. Outside of that initial class, I'll call them, that got announced on the live stream for who was going to be in AEW, so the Elite, uh, Jericho, Pac, and, and all those guys, who has come into that company and really made a difference and really made waves, and it's stuck because they've all their announcements have made waves to a certain extent. Santana Ortiz, FTR, Jack Hager, you know, Matt Hardy. You know, you, you go through the list of names. They've made waves, and it's been oh shit, so and so just signed with AEW, but it's it's dropping a uh, rock into a pond then. yeah, there's waves, but then those waves go away.
0: Um, that's a really good question
1: because you the to my in my estimation and kind of the way I look at things. The only folks who are making a lasting impression and a lasting you know, impact, no pun intended, with AEW are the guys from that initial class.
0: Well, they are because of the bosses. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the that's biggest problem. When you bring in the WWE guys and you push them right in, it just depends on who is still at that top of the card. Moxley is. Yeah. So you could argue him. Yeah. I say there is a strong argument for Eddie Kingston. Because yeah. he's gotten himself over, but he didn't get the big fanfare right. when he came in. And then after that, it's it's really kind I of mean,
1: Miro made a bit, was like, oh, hey, Miro's in AEW, but he's kind of been mid-card the entire time.
0: Yeah, well, he's finally doing something now, but after how many months? It, but it goes to show, like, when they get their talent in, they really push everybody right away, and then they just kind of. I mean, they
1: got a tag team division that, should, that it, like, on paper, is, like, the best on the planet. Yeah. Between the Bucks, uh Pentagon and Phoenix, Santana-Ortiz, FTR, you know, Luchasaurus. Like, Christ almighty, you go through that list, that, that's a dream tag team division. That, oh, yeah. Let's face it, they ain't really remembered or r- known for their tag team division right now.
0: No, because the problem is you have the Bucks going over everybody. And you, yeah, and L-O-L, the, and, LOL, the Bucks win. Yeah. And then we have the Rhodes Lander. <laughs> yeah. Which, that's a whole other ball of wax right there. That's the problem that they have when you go to AEW, and I think a lot of this talent is realizing this, that it's not to say when you go to AEW it's going to be better. Right. They do have a potential to get there, so I'm saying they just need to fine-tune a lot of stuff because once they have one great show, they wind up taking two steps back. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you take a look at Dynamite this week. Yeah. Started decently, had one big announcement we'll get into after we get done talking about this class, and then it fell completely off the rails. I know Wade Keller shit all over the second hour of dynamite yeah and you know what i i don't argue with him about that i was not a fan of the second hour right i thought the second hour was just all over the place and i'm sorry the main event did absolutely nothing for me i was like okay here we are and it is what it is i just i'm not so involved in the whole nightmare family versus factory storyline that i care i don't think it was a smart idea to have a go-go knockout cody Rhodes finally right with one punch, mind you, yeah. prior to their match. No, we're doing it the match after. Like There was just so much stuff that was just not on par, and I think that these wrestlers are knowing it coming over there. Yeah. That I think for like a Braun, he might come over there because, like I say, with Mark Henry being involved, I and I truly feel this is true, I think Henry's going to help a lot, Yeah. but they have to listen and they have to be willing to work with him. Because, yeah. because you hear him on Busted Open Radio all the time. He gives his opinion same thing as Bully Ray which I think Bully Ray should get signed there and he should be the guy. Even for a temporary thing, yeah. Yeah, get somebody in there that's not an EVP that's wrestling. Yeah. And have them guide the ship because Tony is not the guy in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean because if you th- if we look back and think back to what Moxley said in the like 9000 interviews he did after he got let go from or he got he left WWE and then he signed with AEW is if what he said is true, that WWE more restrictive, more of a pain in that you know what to get your ideas through that it may not even happen to the flip side with AEW, where it's very liberating. You can go in there, they tell you to cut a promo, and they don't give you a script. They just say, Hey, here's where you gotta get to, go. You know, and then it's just easier, more freeing. That might be true and that might be good and enticing to a lot of people. On the flip side, there's no, like you said, guiding voice on saying, Yeah, that's a good idea, but you're not thinking big picture.
0: Yeah. And I think that that does hurt them. I mean, love it or hate it, WWE has been in business for how long? Long enough. they know the blueprint. And some ideas that you think are cool are not cool. That is what the problem is. AEW is completely free reign, which works in certain aspects. But then again, why are we still continuing a feud between the inner circle and pinnacle when we've had two blow off matches already, and yeah. we're still getting more.
1: Well, so being able to say whatever you want on a promo and having free reign on a promo works. I mean, WWE has shown this. Allegedly, Kevin Owens has that kind of is on that level where it's like, hey, you can say whatever you want, just make sure you get to this point. Yeah, but that works fine. It's proven. But the thing with WWE is they have a vision, they have an idea, they
0: say, listen, this is where we need to get to go. There's nobody there for AEW. Exactly, and that hurts them so badly. Like it's mind blowing about this. So for them, they have to tighten it up. And then I say, if you want to get one of these recruiting classes in, you really have to show this. Like I said, Braun, I do think might go to AEW. And I think that he would benefit a lot because that, that whole free reign that you yeah. can do. You can do whatever he wants. Lana is a lock there. Let's oh, God. face it. They're oh, yeah. going to pair her with Miro. And- I am
1: like, Chris. she got released. And then like the next day on Dynamite, you know, Miro comes out for a promo. Yeah. The first thing he says about his he thanks God for his hot wife. I'm like,
0: yep, she's going there. Oh, yeah, it's a lock. She's on her way there. Ruby, like I think, is going to be the standout of this class. And like I said, AEW would be foolish to pass on her. But yeah. you know, they haven't been able to sign a big uh, female free agent in a very long time. True. I'm sorry. You let Deanna Perazzo go. And we yeah. still, jury is still out about Tessa Blanchard. You do have some talent there with Ty Conte. I'm not going to take anything away from who they've signed. Jade Cargill is a superstar. Oh, God, yeah. if they just And I hate the fact she has a manager now. That drives me absolutely nuts. But – You have the talent there. You just need somebody to really oversee that division and push that division. Uh And then to see who else we're talking about. Buddy Murphy, always a solid worker. I'd love to see him in New Japan. I think that that would be the smart money for him to go. New
1: New Japan or probably NWA.
0: Yeah, but I think New Japan, he'd be a a bona fide superstar. He would fill in that Kenny Omega role. Yeah. And him him in the Super J's, enough said. Him against Jay White, take my money now. Aleister Black is the biggest question mark, though, yeah. too. But then again, he's also somebody that they've had off TV for whatever reason. Uh-huh. They tried repackaging him. Yeah. Ever since he came up from the main or from NXT, he's been lost on the main roster. Yeah. And I'm sorry, whatever the last gimmick he was supposed to be against Big E, I think that Vince just really took a look at it and said, this isn't working and I got nothing for you, kid.
1: Oh, that or he just didn't understand it and was like, yeah, I'm getting ready.
0: Yeah, and I think that they know this going on the road, that they have to really tighten up things because – you're only going to have so much time to work with, and you have an overinflated roster right now, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, because everybody's kept in during the pandemic, and I know everybody's kept at one point away from signing the AEW, but Rich talks about this all the time on 607 Podcast, and I agree with him. They're not worried about AEW anymore, no. so they don't care. No, that's, that's like, Christ, they're not worried about AEW at all. Uh, SmackDown
1: on Friday did a $1.8 uh, which is fairly standard for them. Mm. Uh, AEW did like four hundred thousand.
0: Jesus, Christ. that's bad. That's real bad. Yeah. So and especially too with the other big free agent move that happened uh-huh. for AEW.
1: Yeah, uh, they uh, have signed Andrade.
0: Yes, and formerly known as Andrade Steen Almas. Uh-huh. now known as Andrade. Um, El Idolo? Yes. Or something thank you. Like it. Yes, it, thank you. It, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, so he has now finally made his debut in AEW. They put yeah. up the graphic, Andrade's All Elite. Yeah. Paired with Vicky Guerrero, which I'm not mad about. No. But it is kind of puzzling where he's going to fit into, because especially he is due for the AAA title against Kenny Omega uh-huh. in, in August as well. So a lot of crazy stipulations going around with him. But even that move, which I thought they should have done on the pay-per-view, we got a hell of a bigger pop than they did. Yeah. Uh, was still a big move for them nevertheless. So now you're in a situation where you're signing him, you have all this talent that is gonna be freed up from the original Samoa Joe class. Yeah. That if you really want to add to your roster and I believe it's gonna be around July nineteenth.
1: Something yeah, whatever it is, it's not until after the next pay-per-view.
0: Yes. Uh well for all out all outs in September. Oh so, oh, so oh,
1: yeah, so sorry, I was thinking about Braun, yeah.
0: Yeah, no Braun could technically make this one. All the talent that they have signed could technically make it because if I did the math right, and please correct me if I'm wrong on social media, at OD Parley Hour, they should be freed up September 1st, and I believe that All Out is going to be September 6th. Mm. So as long as as those dates hold up, I think we're okay. Or no, September 5th, I want to say, for uh, All Out. So that being said, if they're all freed up then, then they do have some time to work. But... I don't know those logistics right now, but we're going to have to stay tuned and watch. But, Pad, final thoughts on the roster releases? Uh, like I said, definitely surprising. I'll be interested to see where
1: where they all go because they're all great workers.
0: Yeah, I agree, too. I mean, it was kind of a shock because we saw everybody's pushing, but I think Vince is getting ready for the next phase as the country is slowly starting to reopen, and he's planning on going back out on the road. They're really trying to tighten up the ship at WWE. So we wish everybody good luck with the future endeavors. Can't wait to see them back on a TV screen. And Tony Khan, if you're listening, because we do know AEW Brass does listen to this show, sign Ruby Riot. Nuff said. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH What is your thoughts about NXT in your house? And what is your thoughts about the releases happening with the WWE? Where do you think everybody's going? And what's your thoughts about Andrade going to AEW? think it's a solid move but really kind of puzzling where it's going to end up but let us know what you think we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back looking for a podcast all about nerddom
2: want a podcast with an emphasis on representation the nerd alternative is the podcast for you join me ram me hassan and me levi three black british nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them the nerd alternative a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy
0: Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to round the bases and take the show home. Yeah, uh, a couple things to talk about.
1: First being a little bit of local minute. uh, We do have, uh, hey, congratulations to the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, who were a bit of a winning streak. Hey! Uh, Not going to talk about the record, because yikes. Yeah. Uh, But in their series uh, this past week against uh, New Hampshire, they won one, two, three, four, five games and only lost one. Uh, They returned home this Tuesday uh, to start their series against Bowie uh that runs from tuesday uh, june 8th through sunday june 13th uh, they're off on monday uh, june 14th before they start their next home series against the portland sea dogs uh, that runs from june 15th through june 20th uh, more times information and all that other good news on bingrp.com uh, and then uh, for my base i'm going to talk a little bit of college football because it was announced today that there is a, an upcoming uh, report going to be presented to the college football playoff committee about the playoff size. Uh, So reading from an article on ESPN.com, it reads in part, quote, in what will arguably be the most significant meetings about the college football postseason since the sport transitions from the BCS to the college football playoff, a subcommittee is expected to present a report uh, next week examining the strengths and weaknesses of the four-team playoff, including models for expansion, to the full group of FBS commissioners who constitute the college football playoffs management committee. Quote, it's the regularly scheduled June meeting of the management committee, said CFP, executive director, Bill Hannock. They will review the working group's recommendation about a potential new format. These meetings are a step in a process that will continue at least until this fall, close quote. Uh, so we might be possibly getting an expanded college football playoff if they, so if they look at everything and say, yeah, why don't we do this? Which... I don't think it'd be the worst
0: thing in the world. No, I mean, as long as it's kept within reason.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't want to see it get to, like, NCAA basketball tournament levels. Yeah,
0: like, even half that. Yeah, I don't I mean, want. Add, like,
1: add another game or two. Add another two games. Two one. games max, I'm, fine I'm with okay that. with. I'm, I'm
0: fine with that. Two, I'd be able to stomach. Anything over two, I'm, like, I'm out.
1: Yeah, we'll see, though.
0: Yeah, and then... We did have some sad news to break down. Uh, former Giants head coach Jim Fossil passed away at the age of 71.
1: Yeah, definitely hearts hearts, and, and, and thoughts and well wishes go out to his family and friends. You know, Definitely a great coach for the uh, New York football Giants. Led him uh, to a Super Bowl. They didn't win it, but led him to a Super Bowl back in, what was that, 2000? Somewhere somewhere back in there? Co- yeah. Coach would know off the top of his head but definitely a great coach and definitely a sad loss for the entire Giants organization.
0: Yeah, I know Michael Strahan and Tiki Barber both came out publicly and and expressed, you know, their memories of Jim Fossil, t- yeah. too and it's just a sad story to break yeah. down. I mean, he yeah. was the he was the Giants coach that led them to the Super Bowl against the Ravens in 2001. 2001. Yes. Yeah, so, I knew it was somewhere in there. Well, yeah, so definitely our deepest condolences go out to his family, friends and fans. And just sadness to hear. Just yeah. absolutely sad. Switching gears, there is some news to talk about though involving those New York Knicks. Oh, Tom Thibodeau named Coach of the Year. Hey, congratulations! Works uh, obviously doing a tremendous job turning the Knicks around and making them into the four seed in the uh, Eastern Conference. So definitely, obviously, shout out our coach and, well, I I shouldn't say our coach, but I know Coach stuff. you definitely want to get that in, Yeah. that obviously he did beat out Monty Williams from Phoenix, who I would have had no problem with if he did get the coach, but I believe it was by 11 points Mm. uh, in the voting. So so, yes, for the second time in his career, he's been named uh, Coach of the Year for the NBA, and definitely congratulations out to our coach. Hopefully, we will be able to improve on the little success we had this year and move forward because... As long as Dolan stays away from what him and Leon Rose is doing, I am perfectly on board with everything that they're doing. And obviously the playoffs did not end the way we wanted, but it is what it is. It's a learning experience, and we will come back stronger. It is always hashtag New York forever here on the ODPH. Uh-huh. And then to end with some news, I was originally going to skip this, but I've had too many people hit us up on social media and ask. Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. Uh-huh. Uh. If you want to call it a boxing match... Call it something. Uh, you can call it something because I sure as hell don't call it that. It uh, no. happened this weekend, and it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Illegal legal bank robbery? Yes, because I am sorry. Maybe I need to give a little editorial. These are my opinions. These are my thoughts. They don't represent the rest of the panel. Okay. This all being said... If you spent money to watch this. Which I
1: think was in the neighborhood of $50.
0: Yes. I am really struggling to not go, what the heck did you expect? This quote-unquote fight wasn't a fight at all. Mm -hmm. Floyd Mayweather, the most defensive boxer in all of history. Yeah. Arguably the greatest boxer of all time. You can have that debate. Stepping against... A YouTube star in Logan Paul who suddenly him and his brother think they're boxers. I I don't get it. It is what it is. So this fight went down on Sunday night at the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. And this was exactly what we thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And Floyd Mayweather did his greatest pro wrestling job because he carried this match. Yeah. In fact, at one point... He knocked out Logan Paul. I know it's up for debate, but according to my opinion, oh, he knocked him out and held him up so he didn't get the fight stopped. So they drug it out. So people thought it was an actual legit quote unquote fight. This was just a sideshow that was so bad. I don't understand how you can even talk about this and say this is a real deal there was no
1: there was no judging there was no winner or loser announced you know it was i know espn did their own scoring and they scored it i believe it was like 78 74 or whatever the number yeah, was yeah 78
0: 74 mayweather mayweather
1: you know so this this was like exactly what you said it is it's a circus show the only reason the paul brothers are getting into this is it, it's is it's a cash flow for them it's a way for them to make money you know they've obviously made their name you know on on youtube and other social media platforms but as if you go back through their their history and their track record, that money ain't always coming in. That there are times where they get into their own heads and they get into trouble and the cash flow stops. But for them, you know, they're never gonna book, you know, a, a Canelo. They're never gonna book a Triple G. They're never gonna book a Tyson Fury, or or any of the other big name boxers. They were able to book Floyd because they told him the numbers on they they gave Floyd a very Floyd generous cut of the money. I forget what the exact percentage was i want to say it was like 80 percent. yeah they gave they gave floyd 80 percent of the money so if everything went his way and everything went the absolute max he could have made like somewhere in the neighborhood of like 100 million dollars off this
0: fight he was somewhere in that vicinity you
1: know paul only got like 20 percent and was going to make somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 million dollars you know so mayweather ain't exactly hard to convince on this you know he's always down for a, fre- a fresh influx of cash you know so, but they're never going to get a Manny Pacquiao they're never going to get any of the names I mentioned so this is always just going to be a sideshow and I think the reason they're getting so many people buying into this for this fight specifically you got it for the Floyd fans oh yeah say what you will about Floyd love him or hate him his fans turn out you know uh in person and on pay-per-views yeah you know it, it's the Conor McGregor it's it's the insert you know big name fighter You know, and then you've got the folks who are Jake Paul fans. Jake Paul fans, Logan Paul fans are Paul fans. And then you got the third factor, which it's just people who just want to see him get knocked the hell out. And I'm sorry to those people. Some of you may not have ever seen a Floyd Mayweather fight because this was a Floyd Mayweather fight to AT. Oh, yeah. And you could tell he was having fun because while we didn't watch it, we've seen the photos, we've seen the footage. Floyd was smiling at one point. He was having fun. He knew he was at no risk of getting knocked out. It wasn't going to happen.
0: Let me break down the stat line for you. Sure. Logan Paul. Jabs landed. 7 out of 73. Yikes. Power shots landed. 21 out of 144. Yikes. Doing the math. Total punches thrown. 217 and and from the live reactions I was seeing
1: in uh, the live tweets I was seeing on Twitter it sounded like uh he gassed himself out in like the second round yeah and the, and this was like what was this like an eight round
0: fight this was an eight round exhibition yeah yeah he gassed himself out and he only landed 28 shots meanwhile floyd 43 out of 107 yeah jabs seven to 14 power 36 to 93 mm-hmm so, the fact that this even went to a decision. Well, it didn't even go to a decision
1: like, because there's no decision read.
0: Right. How this is, The fact that this even went eight rounds is a joke. And I'm sorry, the Logan Paul got caught, and Floyd was smart enough to carry him and literally hold him up to avoid a knockout. Yeah, yeah. Because literally, this was just a joke from top to bottom. And I do not give two flying you know whats about what Jake Paul is saying that Logan has now made Floyd 50 and 1. You can sell that to anybody that doesn't understand boxing or combat sports all you want.
1: Now nobody in combat or sports is gonna buy that. It's only to the it's only to the Paul Brother fans.
0: Yeah. And I'm sorry, we're still not done with them yet because now Jake is still fighting Tyrone Woodley, former yeah. UFC uh welterweight champion. Yeah. That fight is still happening at some point. I don't even know when it is. I don't even care. No. Because the problem is you have these YouTubers, they're coming in there. I mean, I'm assuming that's what Jake is. I know Logan is. Yeah.
1: No, yeah, they're both on
0: YouTube. Yeah. You're having both those guys come in that are not formal boxers, so they don't have any background. They don't have anything to do with the sport.
1: Then street fights don't count.
0: Exactly. So they all of a sudden now think that they're boxers, and yet you're fighting.
1: Nobody's. Well, I won't, I won't say Floyd's a nobody, but you're fighting you know, other YouTubers and Nate Robinson
0: you yeah. know, and,
1: and former MMA fighters.
0: Come on. The fact that Chad Johnson was on this card, yeah, and he's a former wide receiver in the NFL, it's not like he decided to become a boxer overnight. He did it for fun. He did it for fun. Like, I'm sorry, you can't sit there and try saying that, oh, this is going to be the thing that really... Chad Johnson being there was, like, on brand for him. That I heard that. I was like, all right, for him, that I get it. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. You can't sit there and say this and, like, look at me straight-faced and say, oh, this is legit. Like, Jake Paul's a real threat. Sorry,
1: no, he isn't. No, yeah, I mean, back to the Chad Johnson thing. Like, Nate Robinson showed up. I'm like, why the hell is Nate Robinson there? Chad Johnson showed up. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it.
0: Yeah, like I said, you can't look at me dead in my face here and say, oh... This is a real fight. This is a real deal. I'm no. sorry. It's not. I mean, it's either one of these guys got in the ring with a real boxer. A real boxer. Uh-huh. They would be done within three rounds, and that's because the only two rounds prior would be warm-ups. Yeah. I'm sorry. Tyrone Woodley They're had getting
1: warm-ups and getting timing down.
0: Yeah. Tyrone Woodley had better knock out Jake Paul, because if he doesn't—
1: The fix is in.
0: The fix is completely in. Yeah. I'm sorry I don't care what you want to say about Cause, this.
1: because the way I look at it is the, you can sit there and say he fixes it and I'm starting to believe it because I don't know the full details of what was said but I don't think it mattered on the back end whether Floyd quote- unquote won or lost and there was never going to be an, a winner announced because there were no judges yeah so you're not gonna get you know Michael buffer or Bruce buffer or insert your favorite announcer there saying, you know, oh, we go with a score of this to that, this to that, this to that. They're worth no judges. So it's not like, oh, Floyd, if you lose, you only get this much money. But if you win, you get three times as much money. Yeah. you Like there was none of that factored in. So if this happens again with Woodley, where Woodley – Woodley ain't Ben Askren. No. You know, where Ben Askren basically retired, decided to do one Ben mo-
0: Askren's never had hands. No. We he, know
1: this. He was retired, you know, and then came back for one more thing before he retired again. Woodley ain't exactly retired. So if Woodley loses or this thing goes the full distance without some sort of resolution, fixes it.
0: Oh, it is. And like I said, you can't look at me directly straight into my face and tell me that these guys are legit. I'm sorry. I am not buying it. I'm not going to hear it. These two should not even be involved in a boxing ring unless it's celebrity boxing and you're fighting other celebrities. Right. Then it is what it is. It's a sideshow. This, the fact Floyd did it, he made the easiest $100 million I've ever seen in my life. Uh Uh-huh. And now Woodley is going to get paid as well, too. So good for him. I'm not mad at him about that. Yeah. Yeah. But don't sit there and say that this is boxing and this is the true sport and we're now saying, well, Jake Paul is now won another match. Who's he going to get next? Yeah, you know what? Put him against somebody that's on like the semi-retirement. Mm. Put him in against a boxer like that. Hell, I'll even one-up you, and I think I said this last week, and I'll say it again. Where is Nick Diaz? Because Nick has done some boxing. True. And Nick would take this fight in a heartbeat. This would be the easiest payday he's ever had in, in his life, and he would make... Over $10 easy on this. Oh, God, yeah. And I understand people are arguing about, well, at least the one thing they're mentioning about is the pay difference between UFC and boxing. Let's face it. Boxing has always had this weird slanted pay scale. Uh It is what it is. Uh It's how that sport has always been. UFC should pay their fighters more. They don't. It is something they'll have to reexamine as they go on further. Yep. Are they going to start making that boxing money? Arguably no. But could they come somewhere in between? I think they should. Yeah. And then we go from there.
1: Yeah, uh, although I will say uh, credit to Ocho Cinco for shooting his shot and jokingly calling out Conor McGregor. I know that fight will never happen, but I would pay to see it
0: just for the oh, just be, for the be press conferences be a alone. Side show.
1: Yeah, uh, and we got some breaking news here. Uh, the NBA MVP has been announced, and it's Nuggets Nikola Jokic. Really? What the shit? I didn't see this coming.
0: Wow, did definitely not see that and coming.
1: Career best uh, twenty six. Point four points per game and eight point three assists point per game. Good for
0: him. Yeah, did not see
1: that coming. Wow.
0: Definitely didn't see that coming. Wow. Completely, completely shocked by that news. Yeah, I am too. Happily shocked though. Yeah, 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 Like I'm not as shocked as like seeing Jake Paul is saying he wants another fight if he gets. I swear to God, if he gets a, a title shot against boxing, I'm done. He won't. I, I know, but it's just like this is how much this has turned into a sideshow, and how angry I'm getting about this. Oh, make it stop. Make it stop.
1: If if he gets a title shot, Muhammad Ali would be rolling over in his grave. Yeah.
0: It's just like, I'm sorry for anybody. Because I know we've had a lot of people just hit up on social media and ask us. And it's a lot of us, our our fellow friends are saying this is a joke. Oh, yeah. But we're having legit questions. Like, what do you think would happen if they won? I said, unfortunately, they're going to get another shot. The more that they keep winning, they're going to keep coming back. Yeah. It's the problem that people are paying to watch this. Yeah. It's not surprising, though, just because they have their
1: fans, and then you have the fans of the folks they're fighting, and then you have the folks who just want to see them get knocked out.
0: Yeah, me included, but I don't want to pay to watch it. Yeah, I'm not either. I don't. I'll watch Twitter highlights. makes me happy. Add OD Parlay Hour, we can chat about it. (sighs) That all being said, the music heard on this show is that of Brian Wolfe. He's a good friend of ours. Good guy. Doing a lot of stuff down in Austin, Texas. He's got some plans. I I know on his Facebook page he was talking about he's got his EP coming, Pat.
2: Ooh, okay. So
0: of the Ashes of Fair City Fire, it looks like we got some new Brian Wolf music coming our way. Where do the good people find out about this? Uh, od, odphpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over the music section. You check out everything going on with Brian. You check out everything going on with Tom Jolu, who's playing his first live show in forever this week. Hey. Friday. He's got the dates up on his Facebook page. You go over to the ODPH podcast, you click on Tom Jolie Bam, it'll take you right there. You can also check out everything going on a Second Suitor. They're streaming again. It's so good to say when bands are out playing again. Yeah. I know the Shout at the Robots got a gig coming out, too. Hey. Uh, uh, the Barleycorn in Owego. I think that that is a, a, a tentative date that they have mentioned. Mm. I, so it is just good to see our friends, who are very gracious to let us play their music each week on the ODPH, out and about, and we support them fully. And that's why we tell you to swing on over to the music section. You can find everything going on with all of them because they're fantastic people. Yeah. You can also check out the directory, which has friends of the show and organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and all the pod groups we're in via their pod chaser pages because today, as we are recording, is pod rev day. Do you know what pod rev day is, Pat? Uh no. Okay. So the deal is on pod rev day, it's the eighth day of every month. You, the listener, are encouraged to leave reviews for your favorite podcast and share them to cause a signal boost to get other people to check their shows out. I am notorious for leaving reviews out, and I've already shared some on Twitter as well, and I encourage everybody else to do it because even if you just drop a five-star review for somebody, you don't have to leave a big wordy message if you don't like to. It does help the algorithm of the show, and Uh it does boost it so more people find out about it. So if you like what you're hearing, we say do it, and if you're like, well, you know, I like a bunch of different shows. I need to check out some more. Swing on over to the Apocalypse page on Podchaser and the Inert Circle page on Podchaser. We have both of them there. They're fantastic people in both. You need to go support them. And, of course, you need to go support our friends over in 607 Podcasts. And shout out to our guys, Rich, Ron, Mike C, and, of course, Big Natty Cool, still on Twitter pad. Oh, boy. Drop in some more Love is Scary that I have seen in a group chat, and I'm not allowed to talk about what they have lined up for the return of Mike to the studio. Oh. But it's going to be worth your dollar to get you in the door, $3 to get you a comfort seat at the table for it. All of that is at patreon.com slash 8122productions. And we also got to mention the T Public Store is having another sale this week. Okay, So if you want to get that Parlay Club gear, the hottest thing going in independent podcasting, swing on over Thursday through Saturday Go get it. Sale items are going to be up to 35% off. What better way to support your favorite podcast? Just saying. All of that and so much more. odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the 108 Paddle 1J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.